And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. I think one of the greatest testaments to a church is when one goes down, you have other members that can fill their place. And, uh, you know, uh, we got a church member here less than a year, an ordained pastor, Matthew Bryan, here with his wife, Sydney. If you haven't met them, I would encourage you to basically hunt them down and shake their hand. You know what I'm saying? So make sure you speak to them. Um, that's one thing that's been on my prayer list for a while, that we can be immersed in each other in a congregation, that we can have uh, relationships with each other. So please do that. Please make sure there's someone in this building right now you don't know. Just go over there and shake their hand. Make a round one day. You know what I'm saying? Um, anyways, our, our sermon's coming from Matthew Bryan today. I'm going to get off. Y'all have heard enough from me today. I'm going to let him have the floor. Well, good morning. It's great to see y'all here this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, please turn them uh, to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to actually be reading verses 1 through 6 today, but we're going to be focusing on the sixth verse, which is the fourth beatitude. All right, so Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to be focusing on uh, uh, verse 6 this morning. Let's read this together. When he saw the crowds... He went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And here's our focal verse for today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and what you've done for us. Uh, I ask that you open up our hearts, minds, eyes, and ears to what you have in store for us through your word, and help me to speak your word faithfully and clearly today. Amen. So Matthew chapter 5 is the first of three chapters collectively called the Sermon on the Mount. In these chapters, Jesus is letting the audience know what is expected of those who would be a part of his kingdom. Chapter 5 tells us that servants of God's kingdom or kingdom people right, will have a change of heart and a change in perspective. Without a heart and perspective change, there can be no satisfying life change. Jesus pointed out the process of this heart change in the Beatitudes. Today, we're going to be looking at the fourth Beatitude, uh, which is the blessing associated with being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. There are two realities that we can find within these verses. Reality number one, kingdom people should desperately crave righteousness. Let's read the first part of verse six together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we look at the word blessed, right, it's not the same type of blessed that you would normally think of. 
Uh, for example, you know, a few months ago, uh, I was sitting on my couch at home, and, and I picked up my phone to look on Instagram. Uh, while I was looking through Instagram, I saw a post from my uncle. He had posted a picture of him being in an airplane flying to Hawaii and had placed a few hashtags under the pictures. Now, one of those hashtags that he put was, you know, hashtag blessed. For those who don't know of what hashtags are um, or what they're used for, hashtags are basically used to help users find like relevant content easily so that the content, in case of this picture of him being on the plane, can be discoverable to, you know, a wider audience. So. When someone puts in, you know, hashtag blessed within a search engine on some sort of social media platform, any posts that have uh, that hashtag can be found. So the reason my uncle used this hashtag blessed was because he felt like he was blessed to be able to fly to Hawaii for a few weeks. The reason I bring this up is because what the world mean by the word blessed is that, you know, we got the thing we wanted to get or we got the thing that we've always dreamt of. For example, you know, I've got my dream job or uh, I've got a new car that I've always wanted to have or, hey, I was able to fly for, to Hawaii for a few weeks, right? Uh, now, I want to point out that those things can be things that are blessings, right? But when Jesus uses the word blessed here, in these, in these verse here, and especially in, in the Beatitudes, he's, being, he's specifically talking about being in a state of being blessed, not just having a blessing in your life, but be, by being blessed of God. And what I mean by this is that this word blessed is speaking about a person or someone that has a deep abiding contentment in their life due to the favor of God. They are fulfilled and experiencing the fullness of God in their life every day. You know, today we're going to see that this state of being blessed is true for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, what does Jesus mean when he uses the terms hunger and thirst? The word hunger comes from the Greek word panao. And just as the word bless is you know, more intense in its meaning uh, than we would normally think, the meaning that Jesus uses for the word hunger here, panao, is a lot more intense as well. It's a lot stronger meaning than what we would think of the term or the concept of hunger. Uh, one of the ways that the word hunger is used, which Jesus isn't using this type of hunger here, is a word that simply means that you, you want something. You kind of sort of want something. You have in you a desire for something. Jesus is not using this type of hunger here, but to give you an example of what I'm talking about, right, um, I'm a huge fan of Whataburger. Right, I don't know if anyone else in here is, but I love Whataburger, right? Uh, one of the issues, though, about living in Crawfordville is that the closest Whataburger is on Appalachian Parkway, and it's about 45 to 50 minutes away from here, right? And so for someone that really likes Whataburger, this is a really bad news for me, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't get to enjoy it as much as I want to. You know, however, you know, some of you guys don't know this, or some of you guys do, um, 
I was a youth pastor at Woodville for about, uh, associate pastor of music and youth at Woodville for about four years before we started coming here. And I was part of the Masters in Divinities course in New Orleans, right? And so uh, they had an extension center in Tallahassee uh, that was at uh, Thomas Rue Road Baptist Church. And so every Monday... I would drive to my classes because that's how the extension center worked. You, you had one day a week where you went to go to those classes and then the rest of the time it was all online work. Um, and so the, the issue with that is I would always drive by a Whataburger on the way to, to class, you know, and whenever I, I pass by the restaurant, I have this inner battle with myself on whether or not I should go and eat Whataburger, right? I always, I always pass by and I'm like, there's a Whataburger like right down the road, you know, I can just go grab something real quick and get to class and eat there or just eat there. Or even if I'm running late and like, it's just a few minutes, you know what I mean? But if you guys know anything about drive through at Whataburger, it takes about 10 minutes for you to get your food, but that's fine. Uh, you know, most of the time though, you know, I choose not to go because of one reason or another, whether that's, you know, if I'm on a diet or, you know, I just, I'm really late for class. I talk myself out of it. That kind of hunger, which there are actually words for this in the New Testament, just means that you have a desire for something. But hear this, you have the ability to turn it down. You don't want it bad enough, so you, you, know, you just drive by it. That's actually not the word that Jesus uses in this verse. In this verse, he uses the word panao. A better translation for the word panala so that we can kind of get a better understanding of the word is that you are starving for it. You are craving it. This word carries the meaning that you literally have to have it. You're starving for it. We tend to water down this concept of starving for something. Uh, for example, you know, my sister, you know, I, I have two sisters and one of my sisters loves donuts. I mean, she could eat donuts all day, every day. I don't know if anyone else is like that here, but, you know, she loves donuts. About two years ago, Sid and I were at my parents' house in Crestview, and my sisters were there, and we were discussing uh, what we wanted to eat for breakfast on a Saturday. We, we discussed whether or not uh, we wanted to, uh, you know, go to Cracker Barrel or just to pick up some donuts from, you know, the local donut shop. And so once the, the second my sister heard about, hey, we can probably, let's go try to get to pick up some donuts. She was like, yes, we want donuts. Uh, you know, she, 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 she actually went like this, you know, she, she said they wanted donuts because she was starving for donuts, right? Now, was she really starving? No, <laughs> okay. She was not. She, she really wasn't starving for donuts. She just wanted to have some. She just wanted one, right? The reason I bring this up is because a lot of times when we heard the word, hear the word starving, right, we think that you know, someone just wants something. Think about, some, some of us are parents in here, right? Think about your kids. Have you ever heard your kids saying, I'm starving, mom and dad, right? Are they really starving? No, right? Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, they're not really starving. Uh, you know, they just want something to eat. Well, that is not what Jesus is saying here, right? He's not using that type of starving in this here. The idea of starving is a concept that most people in America can't wrap their head around because most of us don't know what this looks like or what it means because actual starvation is something that most people in America have not experienced in their life. You know, for example, most of us here, right, have probably grew up with food in the pantry, 
Like, you know, have two to three square meals a day, and we're able to get some sort of snacks here and there, right? Now, this isn't true for everybody, but I guess most of us here grew up with something like this. I know I have, as you can clearly tell, right? So when Jesus says we are to starve for something, we really don't know what that means or what it looks like, right? Well, here's an example to help us understand what Jesus is stating here. You know, I remember a time when I was in my youth group, right, about middle school, high school, uh, we went to, uh, we would go to camps every year, summer camp. Uh, you know, our students here have gone to Snowbird. Uh, we went to something called Student Life uh, at Shaco Springs. Uh, there was a night where, you know, every, every year when you go to Student Life, there's a night where they would do this huge focus uh, during the evening service, one of the evening services, for something called Compassion International. Most of you have not probably heard about this, but if you may or may not, but for those who haven't, Compassion International is a ministry in which you can sponsor a a child by uh, by donating money to this ministry. Uh, The money that you would donate would go towards a specific child's life. So at the booth there, um, you can actually see the child that you're actually sponsoring or adopting um, and what money, what the money you are donating goes to that specific child's life. And, and the money would be used to make sure that they had the necessary things for life, such as, you know, food, water, clothing, school supplies. Uh, normally, whenever student life did this focus, they would show a video uh, showing some of the kids who had been sponsored um, and they would share how a person who sponsored them has changed their life and how they are able to do things like go to school, right? Like eat food with their family every night, stuff like that. And right after, you know, the video, they would allow the students and the adults to go to the booth with Student Life and they can see what child is there that they could potentially sponsor or, or donate to, right? You know, when I was in eighth grade, though, they did something a little different um, than they would normally do on, on those nights. In addition to showing a video, they invited one of the sponsored children to come to the camp to speak firsthand with the adults and youth uh, in the room. You know, while I can't specifically remember her name, I remember what she said to us. She talked about how before she was sponsored through Compassion International, she would go days without eating food. Can you imagine that? You know, a child not being able to eat for a few days. She goes on to say that she would never be able to do anything else but, you know, to try to find scraps of food every day just for her to to eat and maybe some for her family as well the next day you know during camp we always had like this two to three hour block of window where we had something called free time and student life would offer different activities that the students could uh, participate in or they could do whatever was on campus there one of the uh, options was to participate in this Q&A session with, with that sponsored child. And uh, we were able to go to this Q&A uh, to be able to talk to her. Uh, and uh, during the Q&A, 
one of the other students asked her what she did for fun. And she replied, before I was sponsored through Compassion International, I had no fun. I couldn't do anything but try to survive. Most of us don't know what this girl experienced. You know, I know I, I never have. Right? We have no idea what it means to be so hungry and be driven by this hunger that finding food is the only thing that we can focus on doing. This is the type of hunger that Jesus is using in this verse. Jesus isn't saying, blessed is the person who sort of wants righteousness, like someone sort of wants Whataburger or whatever you know fits for you. He's saying that blessed is the one who is so driven by hunger for righteousness that there is nothing else you can focus on. You know, so what are we supposed to be starving for? Gave you that answer already. I don't know if you heard that. Um, what is the one thing that we should be so hungry for that we are not able to focus on anything else? Righteousness. That's right. Hey, awesome. Uh, we can do a whole sermon, right, on just the word righteousness. But here's the simple definition. Holiness. Right standing with God. Christ-like living. So what Jesus is saying in this verse is blessed are those who are starving for right for holiness starving for Christ-like living this statement sounds so crazy to a lost world you have to realize something the world meaning you know has never experienced the blessing that comes from the righteousness of God Jesus is speaking to a huge crowd and he says that you will have an abiding contentment in your life when you are starving for Christ-like living, starving for holiness. This abiding contentment is not found in food, money, or possessions. It is only found in one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So knowing this, how much righteousness are we supposed to hunger for? Are we to hunger for only a, a part of righteousness, or should it be more than that? To be able to understand the kind of righteousness that we are to hunger for, we need to look into the original language of the text, because there is some detail in there that is very important for us to know. Typically in the Greek language, right, you would follow the verb, so like hungering or thirsting, uh, with a partitive genitive, okay? Another way of saying this is that when, when a Greek person was hungering or thirsting for something, that, that person was hungering or thirsting for a part of the thing. You know, if a Greek said, a person said that they were hungry for meat, uh, that person was saying that they were hungering for like, you know, a steak, for example, and not the entire cow, right? If they were thirsting for water, they'd be using, you know, the part of the genitive most of the time or usually. Uh, so but they were thirsting for a drink of water, not the entire well. The thing about this verse is that Jesus doesn't use the part of the genitive in this verse when he talks about righteousness, he uses the direct accusative, which doesn't mean a piece of something, but the whole entire thing. 
So to go back to our original example of a person thirsting for a drink of water, right? If a Greek person used a direct accusative when they were stating that they were thirsty, that person would say that they were thirsting for the entire well, not just a drink of water. So what Jesus is literally saying in this verse is that blessed are those who are starving and thirsting for the entire full righteousness of Jesus Christ. So here's a question that you need to ask yourself. How much do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you just sort of want it? Do you not care? Or are you starving panao for that righteousness? This question can be answered by answering another question. Is Jesus your greatest desire? Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, on, on a Sunday morning, you know, or, or, or on a Wednesday night evening for services, but is Jesus your greatest desire every moment of every day? Or is your heart starving for something else? Is Jesus at the throne of your heart? You know, most, most of you probably don't know this, but I used to be a youth pastor just like Tyler. And uh, during a Wednesday night lesson that I had with the youth at, at FBC Woodville, I had the youth group make a chart. They were given a, a paper plate, um, actually a few paper plates, seven paper plates, right? They were given seven paper plates. And on that paper plate, they would, they would label it, you know, one through 24. And I had the students have to account for every hour of the day, right? So how, how long they sleep, you know, everything. How long was school? They would have to fill out this chart. You know, they would have to show how much time they would use on social media or watching TV or hanging out with friends. The whole point of the chart was to show each of them if Jesus was truly at the center of their hearts or something or someone else was because you will make time for things that matter to you. So here's a question for you to ask yourself, and you need to be truthful with yourselves here. During your entire week, this last week, how much time did you give to Jesus? Was it only an hour or two for church service on Sunday? Or was it more than that? You know, back in the day, my youth pastor used to tell this to our youth group. He would often say it to us, show me your bank account, your phone, in your calendar, and I'll show you who your God is. If your heart is starving for something else other than Jesus, you need to take it seriously and get to the bottom of it. The reason why I say that is because of the story of the young rich ruler which is in Matthew chapter 19. I'm not going to read the entire story, but here's a summary of the story, right? In the story, there was this rich young ruler who went up to Jesus and asked how he could inherit eternal life. The ruler had a desire for eternal life. He wanted to go to heaven, so he asked Jesus what he needed to do uh, to be able to have eternal life. 
Jesus goes on and gives him this list of things. And, and the young rich ruler stated that he had been doing you know, what Jesus just laid out his entire life. Jesus, however, makes another statement that the ruler needs to sell all he had and give it to the poor. In the story, the young rich ruler couldn't do it. Uh, he couldn't sell his belongings and give it to the poor. You know, one of the sad truths about the story is that the ruler went away still lost because he hungered for something other than Jesus. Jesus revealed to this guy that money was on the throne of his heart instead of Jesus. I want to emphasize this question again to you. What is on the throne of your heart? Is it Jesus or is it something else? If it's not Jesus, you need to repent of your sin and make Jesus the one you truly starve for. Jesus ends this verse with a promise, which brings us to our last reality found in this verse. Reality number two, kingdom people will be completely satisfied. You know, look at with me at the end of verse 6. I'm going to read the first part, but we're going to focus on the last part. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. When I was in high school, I remember that, you know, my youth pastor used to talk about everyone having a God-sized hole in their heart. You've probably heard that before. It's probably been used, and you've, you know, your youth pastor probably has shared that before, or someone you know. Well, the concept behind that is that, you know, people try to put earthly things in the God-sized hole in hopes that it will satisfy them for life. The sad reality is that people may find satisfaction in earthly things for a time being, but eventually it fades away. You know, for example, I had a buddy in high school, and he decided that the only way that he would be able to find satisfaction in life uh, was to make as much, be super rich and make money, right? Uh, so all he would talk about growing up is how he was going to be super wealthy one day. And so all he did, even in his time as high school and afterwards, he would find work to make as much money as possible, um, regardless of the consequences. Now, I do want to preface this here, okay? I'm not saying that making money is a bad thing, right? you got to be able to provide for your family. However, my buddy put money in front of everything else in his life. Uh, years went by after we graduated from high school, and, and I remember that I was walking through Walmart in Crestview one day, and, I, and as I was walking down one of the food aisles, I saw my buddy from high school. He was grocery shopping, and, you know, and I saw him, and we started talking, and we talked for a while. He shared with me, you know, what, what had happened in his life from graduating high school to where he was at in that point of time in his life. Um, during our conversation, we got to the point of talking about, you know, spiritual matters. And he shared his testimony with me. He stated that when he got out of high school, all he could think about was making the next dollar uh, in hopes to be rich. 
And so no matter how much he worked and how much, how well off he was, he was never truly satisfied. And so he, he kept trying to attain the next milestone wealth-wise. But every time that he reached that milestone, whether that was a promotion that you know, increased his pay, or if he decided to job hop somewhere uh, to the next company that would pay him more, he stated he never found true satisfaction. But he did when he met Jesus. And it was Jesus who gave him complete satisfaction. There are so many people in the world that try to fill their God-sized hole in their heart with things that are not God in hopes that they will feel satisfied in life. The issue with that is that when people do that, you know, sure, it may feel good for a while, uh, but eventually it fades away, and you're going to need the ne- to find the next thing in hopes that it will satisfy you again. Listen, church, the only one who can truly fill our God-sized hole in our hearts is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can truly satisfy. You know, maybe here today, and Jesus isn't at the throne of your heart, or maybe you've been trying to find satisfaction in things other than Jesus, and you've never been able to, uh, you know, find that satisfaction. Well, I want you to know that Second Peter uh, chapter three verse nine states that the Lord does not delay His promises, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He is giving you another opportunity to receive his offer, to forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life, a right relationship with him. And all that comes through his son, Jesus, who died for you because the wages of your sin is death. Jesus bore the cross, the absolute worst punishment meant for criminals for your sins and mine because of his love for you. He was then buried and raised three, uh, on the third day for you so that you can be rescued from the wrath of God that Jesus he, Jesus took in your place. You can have a right personal relationship with God that will last for eternity if you would call on his name and place your faith and trust in him. Maybe you need to come and join this church or be baptized. We, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. John, if you could be in the front here shortly. Um, and the musicians, go ahead and uh, uh, come up so that we can do the last song. Let's pray, and we're going to respond to God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we had to spend time in your word together. We thank you for sending your son to die for our sins so that we could have access to you. God, would you move in hearts today that do not have a loving relationship with you? I pray that they come and they receive what Jesus has done for them on the cross. For those who know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that we would repent of any known sins and that we wouldn't take it lightly because we know the cost of our sins. I pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.